Hey, Kansas City. Welcome to Episode 10 of the Made in KC podcast. We are now in Day 10 of the 30-day shelter-in-place order. I'm Tyler Enders. I'm Keith Bradley. And I'm Thomas McIntyre. In today's episode, we're joined by special education teacher Laura Grable. She'll be answering our questions about how families are coping currently and how this time might influence the trajectory of education and childcare into the future. Well, welcome, Laura. Thanks so much for joining us. Oh, thank you so much for having me. Before we dive into education, can you tell us a little about yourself and how your life is different right now? Sure. I've been teaching special education at University Academy for the past 11 years. And since March 13th, we've been working at home to teach virtually. I have two kids. One's a five-year-old and will be in kindergarten next year, and a two-year-old that are also home with my husband and I, who's also a teacher. It's been very interesting trying to figure out the whole... Um, he has to teach and do work too. We want to continue the work that our kids are getting at their school. So it's been a very interesting adjustment for us as well. So there are like three different levels of education going on in your household each day. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. And so how does that work then? When are you teaching your kids, your biological kids, and when are you teaching your school kids? Well, it's very interesting. My husband and I kind of look at what days we have meetings. So sometimes I'll work in the morning and he'll work with the kids and then we'll flip flop in the afternoons. Or we've got a pretty good schedule when um, my daughter naps, my husband has his quiet time, and then we both work then. So it's been very interesting trying to figure everything out. So feel a lot of the parent stress and pain of navigating this new time for all of us. Well, even if you can't reach all your uh, typical students virtually, we know your kids will be well-educated at home by <laughs> you and Charlie. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you. Uh, Tyler, you should also know that Laura is a Truman State Bulldog, and so you're currently on a call with three Truman State Bulldogs. Whoa. Yeah. Sounds like a sponsorship in the works. <laughs> <laughs> Go dogs. It is. Go Bulldogs. And so in – Figuring out how you're structuring your day with your family, how much of this is based upon what you and your husband have discussed, and how much of it is based upon either the school that you work for or the school that your children attend? Um, a lot of it is based on what my husband and I have discussed. And also, um, I've done some research on how a lot of other schools are doing it and just kind of the best way to structure it for the majority of kids everybody's kind of flying by the seat of their pants and doing the best that they can to make things work for their students and their families. And it's been really neat to see how all the schools and the communities have come together to kind of figure things out and make it work. Yeah. If you had to rate the school's performance to this pivot, how would you rate it? And, and of course, if you can, if we could go with an A through F scale, that would be preferable. <laughs> I would say since it came kind of, it was a surprise to all of us, and I would say an A based on how they're working together and trying to get the technology, or at least at my school, I've been really impressed with. We've had board members that have donated a lot of money to help get Chromebooks out to all of our kids. Wow. And yeah, I mean, it's pretty incredible. And within like three days, they had a plan in place to distribute meals to the families and the community. 
And I know my my husband teaches for the center school district, and they have really been working hard to to figure out um, the best way to distribute information to the kids and their families. And they've been calling them. It's definitely been a group effort. And it looks different at different schools and different districts. But I firmly believe that everybody's doing the best that they can in the current situation. One of the nonprofits we work closely with at Made in KC is called Uncover KC. They put out a map of all the schools that are providing lunches and all the different food banks. And I was really, really impressed by how robust the list was or the map. How are kids getting those meals? Are buses still running? Buses are not running. So it depends from location to location. I know the four places that my school has in place, it's a drive up. They drive up and then the volunteers walk the food to the car. But we were sent a whole list. And there are some that are dropping food off like at bus stops. The the kids and the parents can wait at the bus stops and they deliver the food there. I think the idea is that there's enough locations that even if you don't have a car, you can walk to some of the locations and get food as well. And there's also numbers. Some of the schools have even gone as far to say, if you can't drive or walk here, call us and we'll figure out a way to get the food to you. That's great. Yeah. Laura, from your experience, have all have all teachers been able to maintain employment as normal? And uh, what about other school staff as well? Um, my understanding is that all school staff and teachers through the end of the year have a job and are maintaining a salary. Their expectations might look a little bit different, but I do not know of anybody that's been let go. That's good to hear. Yeah. That would be one I'd like to put out to any listeners that have heard anything to the contrary or any other information, just for us to gather as much information as possible about that. If any, the teaching or education workforce has had a major change in employment. Uh, If so, is it in the private sector? Is it in the public sector? But I'd like to get some more feedback on that. Yeah, I would say I obviously don't know the entire area, but all of my friends that are teachers and school staff, I've not heard of anyone losing their job. That makes sense. Yeah. And also, the schools are still putting out meals like they're doing. You would assume that some of those auxiliary staff are still working too, which is good. Yeah. Going back to the topic of parents who are navigating a new situation at home, do you have general advice? I mean, I know that there are just so many resources out there that it might be difficult for people to figure out how they go about spending this time at home and, and what should they be focusing on? Sure. I would say maybe have a family meeting or sit down and together look at your schedule because I know it looks different for everybody, but making a schedule of when you're going to work and free time, build in some breaks and snacks and they're not expecting your kids to work for two hours straight in the mornings, but also focusing on playing games or doing chores around the house, learning a new craft or reading books. All those things are great things to focus on, too, with your extended time together. And as far as resources, there are so many free resources right now online. I've been overwhelmed with how many companies have offered free trials through the end of the summer and lots of really awesome programs that I didn't even know existed I, if parents are struggling to find things for their kids, I would recommend that they reach out to their teachers or to the school first, because I've seen several great resources come from the schools and the teachers could maybe help focus in on certain areas that the students are struggling with. 
Do you have any sense of what the average day looks like for kids at different ages? For example, is a high schooler still checking into their classes at a regular basis? And then is an elementary school student interfacing with their teacher once a week? And is that through parents or is it through video? So I know it's different at every school and a lot of times even within the schools with per classroom and how, I mean, how tech savvy some of the teachers are. It's been a huge learning curve for a lot of teachers, especially some of the older teachers who are not as used to the technology. But I know a lot of teachers are doing Zoom class meetings a couple times a week and at different times to try and catch kids Some teachers are doing read-alouds and check-ins that way. Lots of different options. Yeah, our our kids' teachers have done something similar where they are actually checking in with, with our kids every day, which I'm pretty impressed with. The first two weeks were complete kind of mayhem and craziness, and we got packets in the mail, and we got packets emailed to us. (laughs) And there was not a good sense of what was going on. But once kind of the initial chaos kind of subsided, then the teachers have tried to build in a somewhat of a regular structure for our kids virtually. So one of our kids has a meeting every day at 1.30 for a read aloud with other students. Another one has a check-in at 2 o'clock and they get to talk about what's going on, um, things they've been reading, things they've been doing. And I think that's been super important to give us structure around our days Um, where before we were trying to structure everything ourselves, and now we have a little bit of the school to lean back on for for some structure. Keith, in a previous podcast, you had mentioned that your eldest, Ben, had a little bit more of a sense of what was going on. How have you been talking to your kids about why they aren't at school? Um, yeah, we've been pretty just straightforward in the sense that we say there is a, a virus that makes people really sick going around Kansas City. And the best thing for all of us to do is to stay as close to our homes as possible. And that means we can't go to work. We can't go to Made in KC. We can't visit our other family and the places we normally go to so that we can keep everybody healthy for the next couple of weeks. So it's very simple, very straightforward. Um, we've allowed Ben to watch some educational videos about coronavirus. That's been given to him through his classroom and other resources. So that's helped him understand things. But just really, really kind of simple and try to keep a lot of the try to keep our anxiety out of our voice as much as possible when doing that. They all they all get it. Yesterday, though, uh, daughter Eloise said something pretty heartbreaking. So it was April Fool's and there was just nonstop pranks around the Bradley household. I was in another room. I heard her say to my wife, "Um, Mom, when the uh, when the virus goes away and made in case he opens again and dad goes back to work we should surprise him with silly string when he comes home. <laughs> I was like, oh, that's so heartbreaking. <laughs> but they definitely know what's going on. Whether or not they understand it is a little bit different, but they, they know why they're not doing the normal things they do. We've explained it to my five-year-old is we're just, we're staying home to keep as many people as possible safe. And that he seems to understand that pretty well. And he knows when we say we can't do something, he's like, oh, the virus. And we're like, yeah, the virus. (laughs) So we've just, yeah, we've just kept it simplistic too with the keeping it safe. And so what's happening with households where both caregivers or if there's only one caregiver where the caregiver has to go to work? So whether they are working at a grocery store or a hospital or in deliveries, how are people handling childcare and education on top of that? I have talked to several families where their kids are staying with grandmas and grandpas who are helping older siblings are helping out a lot. I've also talked to families where one of the parents is home and the other one is working. 
And so they are kind of like tag teaming who's teaching and keeping up with the kids' education. It's been a learning curve for everybody, for sure. And then that makes me think on the flip side of that, are there support groups for parents who now have to deal with their kids (laughs) 24-7? I mean... Not that I've seen Facebook, I guess, the memes have you yeah. all the <laughs> <laughs> Just have been good. I think there's an opportunity there for sure. <laughs> yeah. Agreed. Um, Laura, do you have any sense of um so you're you're primarily in urban education and been in most of your career. Do you have any sense on any differences in suburban school districts? Obviously they're in a similar boat in terms of having to stay home and all those other sort of issues that come with that. But are there any differences that you notice in how urban versus suburban school districts have been responding to this? The one big thing that I've noticed is technology. And a lot of the uh, suburban schools that I'm aware of, some of them have the one-on-one technology. So the kids already had iPads or already had computers or Chromebooks that they were taking home and already were familiar with them. So some of the urban schools that don't have as much access to technology or all those programs already set up are really struggling to put everything together. So for kids who are too young to be using technology on a regular basis... And I don't have a good sense of how often it's parents making the decision versus schools having certain guidelines as to how much screen time is appropriate. What's happening below the threshold for which people generally don't think that kids should be interfacing with technology too much or with screens? Um, I know at my school, they've done choice boards for the kindergartners. So they have like a piece of um, paper that has different activities and they have to choose things off of that that maybe are technologically related or not. And a lot of times I know some of the work that I'm providing for my kids is not necessarily through the computer. It's just they get like word problems or information through the Google Doc that I sent home. Okay, gotcha. Keith, you had mentioned receiving things in the mail. Most of the education, though, is either being emailed to parents or is it how is it being disseminated? Yeah, so I just actually learned this morning that that has changed for our kids at our school and the Kansas City, Missouri School District. So for the first two weeks, they were emailing physical packets, printed off paperwork, day one, day two, day three, day four. Those packets were also available online for you to print off. And um, up through day 10, that lasted. And now they're no longer going to be mailing those out. I imagine they figured out pretty quick that wasn't attainable. So now those packets are made available online. However, what's interesting for us is those packets, they're not able to be done electronically. So they have to be printed off in order to accomplish. So if you're in a situation where you don't have a printer, then you can't access those, which is just kind of interesting. So... It has been a little bit of a challenge in trying to figure out what's most important to accomplish in a day and get done. One of our big concerns as parents has always been limiting screen time for our kids at each age. Um, And that has almost completely gone out the window because they're doing these Zoom conferences where we fill in the gaps in schoolwork for our kids. They're doing something computer-based. So they're doing a typing lesson. They're doing a math program online. Once they finish their physical school-provided paperwork, And so they really have increased the amount of screen time since this has started, which at this point, I don't know if it's either good or bad. It's not ideal in in our minds, but it is what it is. 
It scares me to think about the vast differences in certain circumstances and that you could have one family that has a very supportive environment where they can print off the packets, can work through them with their children, and then you might have another situation where there isn't a parent or caretaker around to help facilitate that. There isn't a printer or you run out of paper and the ability to get more paper or to get certain things or if your internet connection isn't as good, um, it just it mm-hmm. makes me nervous about the fall when kids come back and, and how far behind some kids could be. And I guess it's only a few months. So in the grand scheme of things, hopefully a few months doesn't have a huge difference, but it could feel very different if uh, you have a prolonged summer for some versus others. Mm-hmm. Now, there's so many things that are out of our control right now. So as teachers and educators and as a parent, trying to maintain what the kids have learned throughout the school year, providing enrichment, and then tracking the new things that we're teaching the kids and supporting them in that. I do definitely think that there is going to be a more review that happens in the fall than in a typical year. But I'm optimistic that if kids are trying to learn, that it won't be as big of a gap. Yeah, I wonder if this if there will be some positive benefits of self-directed learning and that some kids might end up finding that they can be more motivated and, and more inspired when they learn that they can self-direct their learning. Yeah, and there's some really great resources out there now. We've been watching the Cincinnati Zoo every day do their home safari and learning about all kinds of animals. And that's led to us researching animals and learning about more animals. Um, So I'm really hopeful that other kids are doing that as well. It's interesting to look, Tyler, you talk about when everything gets back to normal. And then Lawyer talked about the review, thinking about a subject such as math, which is very linear in terms of having to learn a certain component in Algebra 1 before you can move on to Algebra 2 thinking about that review period and the loss of the underlying assumption that a teacher can have that a student has learned this, even if you know they don't remember it very well, but it's at least been taught once before, and you can pick up, that assumption is going to be kind of lost. And I think there will be a, a, a pretty inefficient start to things when we get back rolling on having to review or go back over certain subjects to keep moving forward. Especially for older kids in areas like math, there'll probably have to be some pretty significant tutoring programs and review put into place for kids. Right. Laura, what's happening in terms of special education? Is there, are there any extra steps that are being taken to support those families? Um, we are reaching out to the families as much as possible and making sure that they have what they need and also providing the supports on their individual education plans. And the state is slowly rolling out guidelines. So we're all working together to make sure that we're following those guidelines and making sure the kids are getting the support that they need at home and are also able to learn and get what they need from school. I mean, clearly there are so many factors that play into how successful someone's home learning experience could be, but I've got to imagine that one of the really big indicators would be class sizes. And if you're a teacher who has 15 kids to check in on remotely versus a teacher who has to check in on double that number, uh, that's just half the amount of time with each kid when it's potentially even more important. So I wonder if there'll be if that'll be one of the things that gets looked at as we look back to this time period. Yeah, I think that there will be a lot of things that will be reflected on. And it was interesting because the schools were supposed to, by this upcoming fall, have plans in place for remote learning for pandemics or other emergencies. So um, 
So a lot of schools were starting to look at what to do, but didn't really have things in place yet. So it's been very interesting to see how quickly that everybody can work together and when they need to. And I've been really impressed with how everybody's come together to support the kids and their families. So looking to the future and getting past this period of time, we've talked about the review phase and getting back up to speed. But even beyond that, thinking about Tucker going into school, a lot of times, you you know, looking back either through war times or other significant culture changes, uh, there's a result of a a sweeping change to an industry, whether that's education or something else that's for a positive or something that's more of a defensive change to prevent issues in the future. Do you see something like that coming from this COVID-19 shutdown that we're seeing? Anything that's happening that's going to be a either positive change that we see as a result or just a complete change in how things function in the education system as a result of this unprecedented time? Well, I know Missouri has canceled their state testing for the school year. So much emphasis is been put on that in years past. And I would love to see, especially as a special education teacher, I would love to see more emphasis put on other areas besides just the state testing. I would also love to see more pre-K, more early childhood money going towards high quality education for early childhood. Wow, Thomas, you're impeccable with timing the last two days. (laughs) Unreal. Sorry, guys. No worries. That was a guest appearance from Tucker, Thomas's two-year-old. College-bound Tucker. Go Bulldogs. Well, that's fun to hear that state testing was one of the first things everyone recognized could be dropped in terms of the importance of, okay, if we're having to be super lean and we have to focus on what is best for the whole child, state testing is not at the top of that list. And so that is, I I hadn't thought of that, and I'm glad to hear that that was cut. Perhaps if we really reevaluate, that would be one of the things that gets reassessed with less importance. Looking at more of the whole child, the social emotional learning piece, more focus on that would be a big plus too. Is that happening or has it happened since I was in school, for example? Uh, I think my school does a really great job of looking at the whole child. We have counselors and we have programs that come into the school. We have a dental clinic, a children's mercy clinic that's there also, um, lots of resources. I would like to see that expanded to more schools and even expanded at my school. That's fantastic. Yeah. I think another thought I have looking towards the future, it is not um, directly related to education, but two things that were said earlier made me think of it. One is that the problems that you mentioned to earlier, Tyler, with certain students and their environments at home, you know, those problems are always have been there. But for that kid to go to school, that school becomes a safe place for that child to maybe help them overcome some of those problems. And so I think looking forward, I think in general, we may have to reevaluate just the different societal, whether we call them safety nets or other measures put in place so that we can raise all ships so that if something like this does happen again, then there's less of those situations where with one student safety net gets taken away, say school, for example, that doesn't completely unravel the other safety nets in place in society that we just don't have right now. And so, Lori, your comment about increasing early childhood education, I think, ties into that because that gets everybody on a stronger footing going forward down their educational path. 
and promotes a general well-being across all society, starting with the youngest. And Keith, I think you guys both will have some input on this. I was also thinking about the integration of the parents into the children's education and how you're bound to be more in tune with what they're learning specifically and how they're learning it now and how I could see that finding its way into conversations outside of school hours. So in the evening or in your car or something comes up and you could be like, oh, that's just like when we learned how to do this, that and the other thing. And I could see parents being like, that was really helpful in reinforcing for my students learning that I was able to be that in tune with their education and their process. And, and I know it's already varying how many how in tune some parents are and aren't. But I'd like to see somehow that becoming a benefit of hey, I, I, even when we're back to normal, I would love to have a way more transparent view into what their day looks like and what their education process looks like uh, for me to be that much more involved. Well, and hopefully the parents will be more comfortable with the technology platforms that the schools are using. I've talked to some of my neighbors and friends who are not in education, and they have been totally overwhelmed by learning the new programs and how to Zoom and how to work Seesaw and getting all the logins straight. So hopefully going forward, parents will have a better understanding of what is going on, too. agree. Yeah, that could certainly be a silver lining. Mm-hmm. Another thought I have before we wrap up is that based upon what all of you were saying is that school really does mean so much to uh, so many kids beyond the educational component. And so it might be the physical activity component that they wouldn't get at home. It might be role models that they don't have at home. It might be modeling good relationships with others, learning how to work with others if they are an only child, for example, or if they don't have other people to interact with. And school really is so much more important than just the the arithmetic part of it or the reading and writing part of it. It really is that whole child Mm -hmm. focus. And so hopefully we will have a little bit of time to think about the impact of the last few months and then reassess how we want to build our school system into the future. Absolutely. It's also, I don't know, refreshing to note uh, as we talk about education and school and students and kids the fact that this disease or virus is less impactful on children than it is on others. Um, don't want to be, it, it's obviously they can get it and they can get sick, but it's uh, interesting to think about how different this would all look if these students or these kids were, you know, affected by it at a different rate than they are. Well, Laura, thank you so much for joining us. Do you have any other things you'd like to add or things that we didn't ask about that you'd like to mention? Not that I can think of. Cool. Keith, Thomas, any other closing thoughts? I think one thing we can take away from this conversation is how important our teachers are for our students and for society in general. And so I think whether you have a kid in school or don't, try to find a way to support your local teacher through an encouraging email, a gift card. Um, Maybe next time there's an educational issue on your local ballot, go ahead and and vote in favor of teachers. I like it. Yep. Cool. Awesome. Well, again, Laura, thank you so much. Really appreciate your yes, time. Thank you. Thank talking you. To you. Oh. Thanks. Yeah. Good <laughs> luck managing four different levels of education at home. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Every day is a new adventure. Well, if you guys have any other thoughts for us, please reach out to us at hello at madeinkc.co or you can find us on Twitter at madeinkc underscore. Thanks so much. Bye. See you all soon. Bye, guys. Thank you.